0: this morning uh, after the service, when I get ready to go back to my office, unless I'm lucky enough to catch someone walking into the office and keeping the door open for me, it takes three keys for me to get back to my office. A main key to get into the main office, and then another key to get into my assistant's office, and then the Third key to get back into what we call the holy of holies, the place that no staff member is allowed or they'll die if they walk in there. Uh, It takes three keys, and you have scenarios like that in your life, at your work, where to get to a certain place, it takes two or three keys or whatever to get in and get out. And this morning, we're going to look at three keys. We're not going to look at three keys from the hardware variety, but we're going to look at three keys as principles for life from 1 Timothy 4. And here's what I want to promise you. I want to promise you that if you and I will be right in these areas, that we will be a better husband, a better wife, a better parent. We'll be better uh, children. Be a better boss, better employee, be a better Christian. In other words, that if we're right in these three areas, it will make a positive impact in every single area of our life. Here's the first key we want to see this morning, and that's the, the little phrase, earn respect. Earn people's respect. In verse 12... It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let me tell you a, a, a little remi- a couple of reminders or a little background. Remember, God is writing through Paul to Timothy. Timothy is the pastor of a church in Ephesus, and Ephesus is a, a unique place. It's a wealthy place. It is a place of uh, that has a lot of people. It's a cultured place, and it's an immoral place. It's a tough place. It may not be a place where people respected authority and leadership like they they needed to too. And Timothy is trying to to pastor this church now. Paul, the apostle Paul, was the one that went in there and he got the start, church started. He was what we'd say the founding pastor, and and Timothy's trying to to take over and. Paul would have been a tough act to follow. If you follow the NFL, Peyton Manning is the, the hottest item in free agency today in the NFL, for sure. And, you know, many years he was at the, with the Indianapolis Colts. He was a four-time MVP, uh, NFL MVP, I believe the only one in history to achieve that. Whoever gets that job in Indianapolis has got big cleats to fill. Would you agree with that? If you were going to take over a pastor's job after Paul, you had a big Bible to fill. <laughs> no, no doubt about it. And Timothy's a young man. It says, don't let them look down. And, and young people, you need to hear this. Don't let them look down on you because you, you are young. Well, I first started pastor I was 23. I was 23 years of age. And, you know, I look back on that and I have, I have great sorrow and pity on those people who had to endure that. Uh, and I have a lot of uh, sympathy for myself for the struggles that I went through. But I bet you a thousand times I heard this. Preacher, I have grandkids who are older than you. And I wish I would have had the, the wit, quick wit and the courage to say, man, you're as old as my grandparents. You are really, 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 really old. But that wouldn't have been advantageous for keeping my job either. So, but... I don't think they meant that as a slight, but certainly, you know, when you got a 23-year-old pastor and you're 83, I'm sure there is a little bit of, that's my grandkid up there. It says, Timothy apparently was being looked down upon because of his age. How old was Timothy? Now, this is interesting. I used to think he was probably 18 or 19. He was probably, he was probably in his early 30s. In the Greek culture, they considered someone a youth from military age, 16 to 18 to 39. Wouldn't it be nice to know if you were 39 today, you were in the youth group? Wouldn't that be a comforting thing? Well, it may not be, but I, I think it would, would, would be a neat thing. They're looking down on him. He says, don't let them look down on you. And the, the, the verbiage there is an act that's already in process. In other words, Young people and everybody else who's not so young, they were looking down on Timothy. They were not having the proper respect for him that they needed to have. And here's what God said to Timothy. Timothy, teenagers, old people, and everybody in between. Some people are never going to respect you. Some people have mental problems. Some people have deep-seated spiritual problems. They killed Jesus Christ. There was a large group of people who did not respect him. They tried over and over, religious people, to kill Paul. They didn't respect him either. So you're never going to get everybody in the respect camp for you, okay? At some point, it becomes their problem, not your problem. All of us here today, every one of us, we've done things to lose respect from people. Here's what God says. You can't control them. As much as we'd like to go back and change the past, we can't go back and change the past. What he says is, I want you to be the kind of person who earns people's respect. Let me tell you how important this is. Your wife or your husband, if they're good, they're going to love you and stay with you. But it's a lot better ride if they respect you. Young people, it's hard to say you love Jesus if you don't respect your parents. Show them respect. But it's hard for you to feel like mom and daddy really loves Jesus if they don't show you respect. At work, it's vital that you and I be the kind of people that our bosses or our employees respect. See, everybody wants respect. Give me respect. Give me the title. Give me the position. Give me authority. Respect me. God says, no, 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 no. You go out and earn the respect of others. Now, we may look at this next week. Christians, we're, we're to respect people, period. But that doesn't negate the fact that God has called on us to be the kind of men and women who earn the respect of others. I want to tell you in one sentence how to earn people's respect. Be the right kind of person. Now, if you're taking notes, and you just wrote down the first point, earn respect, and then you wrote down this 1st subpoint, be the right kind of person, you know, that's not rocket science, is it? I didn't give you these in Greek or Latin. I couldn't probably anyway. But these are really hard things to do, aren't they? You see, some people think if I, make all, if I make a lot of money, people will respect me. That's not true necessarily. They'll want to be around you for what they can get from you, but not necessarily will respect you. Well, if I'm famous and well-known, people will respect me. They'll respect what they see of you, People can't really respect us until they know us. Well, if I had more education, people would respect me. Not necessarily what God says. You want people to respect you? Don't go around beating on a drum saying respect me, respect me, respect me. Be the right kind of person. And again, the verbiage here is he's talking about he's talking about an ongoing process. In other words, you don't say today, okay, I've done the right thing. People will respect me the rest of my life. No, it's an ongoing process. Look in verse 12 again. It says, don't let anyone look down upon you because you're young. But set an example. Be an, an ongoing process. Be a model. Be a blueprint. We're going to talk tonight in our business meeting about some future plans we have for some future facilities here at the church. And, you know, but before we ever build anything... We're going to have blueprints, aren't we? We're going to have a model that says this is what we want it to look like. And God says if you want people to respect you, you've got to make a decision to be a model or a blueprint for them to look at and to follow. Now, we understand an example in a negative way. All of us have had our parents at one point say, hey, when you grow up, we don't want you to be like Uncle Buck or Uncle Chris or Uncle Josh or whoever. We, We understand that in a negative way. Here he's saying, I want people to look at you and say, that's the kind of person I would like to be like. That's a person that I can respect. He lays out some things here, too, in verse 12. Look what he says. To be the right kind of person, we've got to hit the the nail on the head in a couple of areas. Number one, speech. Be an example in speech. See, people are not going to respect us if we gossip, if we slander, if we're hypercritical. Now, they may listen because there's something in our nature that drives by a car wreck and slows down and looks. But we don't want to be in the car wreck. And and we don't respect people who are that way. Respect starts with our mouth. Be the right kind of person with your speech. Then he says, with your life, how you live. In other words, with with what you say and what you do, you set the example. You be the right kind of person. Next, he says, with your love. People respect people who love them. It's, it's an interesting phenomena. Everybody wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be liked. When you like people and you love people, it's amazing how it comes back to You set an example by how you use your words and by how you live your life and by how you love people and by your faith. What does he mean by set an example, be a model, earn the respect by your faith? I think he means two things. What he means by your trust in God. People need to look at you and me and say, that's a person who trusts God. And, and I think it also means by our commitment. It's a person who is, who is committed to Christ. Does your husband or your wife, do your children, do your parents look at you today and say, you know what, their commitment to Christ is so consistent and rock solid, Man, I respect them for that. That's what he's saying there. And in, and in your purity, it's impossible to be a great example and to be a foul-mouthed, vulgar, vile person. In the, in the purity of our life. You see, it's a neat thing. God's, God's not saying be perfect because you can't be perfect. God's, saying, God's not saying that everybody's going to respect you because everybody's not. God's not saying you haven't lost respect in the past because we all have. God's saying from this point forward, a key to your life in every area is being the right kind of person so people will respect us. Earn people's respect. Here's the second thing he says that's largely, obviously, it's to Christians. But everyone in here this morning can have the opportunity to become a Christian if you're not. He says this, use your gifts. Use your spiritual gifts. In verse 13 and 14, after he talks to Timothy about earning the respect, he talks to him about something else that apparently was causing some issues. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which Timothy apparently was doing. That's a phrase that that has the picture of an idea that's in process. Which was given to you through a prophetic message. Others confirmed, Timothy, your giftedness. And the body of elders confirmed it when they laid their hands on you. you. You notice it says, the reading of scriptures. This is kind of interesting and. In the Jewish synagogues before Christianity, one of the parts of the worship service was you had someone come and and they would read from different parts of the Scripture, the law, the prophets, and history. And the early church adopted this process too, probably for several reasons. One, it's great to hear Scripture read. Jewish people grew up with this. Jewish children learned how to read in the synagogue. But here's another interesting thing or two. Most Greek people could not read. Unless a Greek person was very wealthy, they were probably illiterate. And the Bible back then was not on uh, CD-ROM, DVD, or leather-bound editions. They were scrolls, and very few people had the Bible. So if you wanted to know what the Bible said, you had to go to church. You couldn't listen to Christian radio. (laughs) You had to go and you had to hear it read. And then he tells Timothy, says, Timothy, God has gifted you to preach and to teach, and I want you to use your gifts. Timothy, I want you to use the things that I've blessed you with, but apparently, for some reason, maybe he wasn't feeling the respect of the people. Maybe he was getting tired. We know from the writings of the Bible, Timothy probably was a little insecure, and maybe he was beginning to pull back, And God said, Timothy, don't neglect what God has blessed you with. Did you know this morning, if you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. You're not a Christian, you can get one this morning. They're not for sale, but they come as part of the package when you give your life to Christ. A special ability that God gives you and me. Some of us have more than one. Some of you have two or three spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Listen, this is exciting. When you gave your life to Christ or when you give your life to Christ, Jesus Christ endows you with spiritual gifts to do a couple of things. One, to bring glory to God, to bless the church, and to reach those who aren't in the church for Jesus Christ. God has given you a gift to make a difference. Whether you're eight years old and you're saved or whether you're 108 and you're saved, you have a gift. Let me ask you this. Do you know your gift? What has God gifted you to do? You know, we have a church member who has actually written a book on, on discovering your spiritual gifts. Donna, raise your hand. Way back in the back. We, uh, I think we even have a picture of Donna today. Maybe even another one. She looks like she's really giving it to coach in that picture. Donna, I don't know where those came from, but, but uh, Luke and Brenda maybe might be a good starting place. But Donna's written a great book on how you can discover your spiritual gifts, and, and we'll help you get that book. Talk to people about what your gifts may be. Gifts can include teaching. It can be preaching, singing, music. It, it could be greeting people in the hallway. What's more important than someone with a smile on their face saying, Welcome to First Baptist. Maybe it's working with youth or it's working with children. But let me tell you what's going on in so many of our lives today is we are sitting on our gifts We don't know them or we're not using them. You're never, as a Christian, going to be fulfilled and satisfied and effective until you get out of the bleachers and you get in the game. I promise you, call the office this week. And say, you want to start serving somewhere. We'll find somewhere for you to serve. That probably is not going to mean you're going to do a solo and preach next Sunday. But we'll get you in the game. I think it's really neat and kind of scary that God had to say to Timothy, Timothy, you've got these gifts. Other people have affirmed it. They've believed in you. But for whatever reason, they're in the trophy case. They're on the shelf. And it's time for you to start serving God again. I want to challenge you this morning. Find your gifts and use your gifts. And here's a third thing, a third key that brings it all together, and that's this, be consistent. Be consistent. In verse 15, he tells Timothy, he says... Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. This biblical word, diligence, a great word. It literally means to resolve. It means to be immersed in something. It means to be absorbed in something. He's saying, Timothy, I want you to keep on keeping on. It's the the old phrase to be up to your elbows in something. You young people may not have ever heard this, but the old people, people used to say, well, I'm up to my elbows or up to my ears in work. And what he's saying to Timothy, what he's saying to you and me, I want you to be up to your ears and doing the right things. And I want you to be consistent and doing the right things. You see, everybody in here who is sane and honest wants to be respected. We want people to respect us. But it's not going to happen overnight. It happens over a period of of days and months and years when they see through our speech and through our life and our purity and our love that we just keep hammering away and we keep doing the right things and we keep doing the right things. And that we use our spiritual gifts, not just one Sunday, but this week and this week and this week. And we don't say, well, I've done that before. It's my time to rest. Rest comes in heaven. When they see we keep on and we keep on and we keep on following Jesus Christ. Some of you need to dust your gifts off and get back in the game. Some of you wonder, well, why do my children, why are they inconsistent? Why are they not being who they need to be? Maybe it's because all they seem from mom and daddy is up and down, up and down, up and down. Consistency, consistency. See, we live in a day of instant gratification, don't we? Back when our grandparents were little, the new miracle thing was the telephone. You may have had to go to the barn to use it, but what a great thing that was. And by the time I was born and brought in the world, my parents were just excited that we had the old dial-up phones. Do any of y'all even remember dial-up phones? And and they weren't on a party line. They were just in a house, and that was exciting. And then we've got cell phones. Aren't cell phones great? I I, I used this in the first service, and then I I was told I was breaking the law. But, you know, a cell phone saves you so much time, I'm going home from work, I can make three phone calls because you can get it done so quick. And then if you want to do it even quicker, you text message, not while you're driving, but you text message, don't you? And then you can, in three words, you can say, "Meet me at noon" instead of having to call. What are you doing? I'm not doing anything. Yeah, it's good day. I mean, you can do it so quick, and all those things are great. And then you can go home and you can watch a movie in one hour. People can fall in love, get divorced, and get remarried all in one hour. And that's exactly how life is not. You see, life is like farming. How many of you have ever farmed or planted a garden? You guys need to do that one summer. None none of them raise their hands. Y'all need to rent them out and have a garden this summer. Just for torture purposes. If you don't know anything about farming or gardening, listen just for a second. You it's not cell phone and text message. You don't go out this afternoon and go, you know what? I want some watermelons. put seeds in the ground water and go, you know, we're going to have watermelons tomorrow. Yeah, you are if you go to Super (laughs) 1. You know, where I grew up in Tennessee, if you, you, you planted corn in April or May, you had to till the ground, tear the ground up, till the ground, and you planted the corn. And then you had to weed it, and then you had to spray it, and then you had to pray that God would send rain so you wouldn't have to water it. And, and then you would spray pesticide on it, and then it would begin to come up. And then, then my father was too cheap to get equipment, so then you'd have to go out and pick it. And then, then you would be able to eat and enjoy the corn, or the cows would, <laughs> in September or October. See, life's like farming, but we we want it to be instant we want we want our husband or wife to all of a sudden start respecting us because they should even though we hadn't been the right kind of person for years, or we want our kids to all of a sudden really respect us they should respect you, but we want that deeper respect when we haven't set the example for so long, and you want your parents to trust you when you hadn't told them the truth for five years. It, it takes time to build that back up. And you want people to believe in you and follow you. But it's only going to happen when people see we're consistent and we keep on keeping on. I said this a few weeks ago on Sunday night. You know, mom and dad, one of the best things you can give your kids, if we're still alive and you're still in Ruston 10 years from now, be in church on Sunday morning. One of the best things you can give them, and, and I don't mean that you missed the nine and a half years previous. I mean that you just consistently kept coming and following Jesus Christ. Galatians 6, nine says it so well. I want to ask you to read this verse with me. Will you read it with me out loud? Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. How many of you ever feel like you've given up too soon? You know, it's funny, in the first service, about everybody raised their hand. Because they're a little bit older and they have. It's a terrible thing to throw in the towel and then realize about two months later, Victory was right around the corner. Three keys. You're going to lose without them. You're never going to please God without them. Or you can start this morning on a, on a route to true success and significance. If you'll seek to earn people's respect, use the gifts God's given you, and keep on keeping on. Let's pray. If you're a a Christian this morning, I would just ask you, how, how do you grade yourself on these today? A, B, C, D, F? If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian... I'm going to ask you right where you're seated today to give your life to Christ. Just pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're the Son of God who died for me and who arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart this morning. I ask you today to be my Lord and Savior. Let me have your attention just for a second. Just a second, I'm going to ask you to stand and to respond to Christ. Maybe today you ask Christ into your heart, or maybe you're ready to do that. We've got ministers who are going to be down front who can help you with this decision, come and give your life to Christ today if you never have. Maybe you'd like to join our church family. One way you can do that this morning is simply just step out and come when we give the invitation. Talk to a minister. We'll help you join this morning. Christian, maybe you'd like to just come pray at the altar or pray with one of your ministers or maybe today where you're standing, Or maybe at the altar, Christian, you you want to say, I can't undo the past, but with the help of God, from this day forward, I'm going to seek to live these three principles out. I challenge you to do that, Christian. Let's stand as God leads you this morning. Respond to Him today.